0: Combo Nation, what is up everyone and welcome to episode 394 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Today's show, David Robson, who is an award-winning science writer specializing in the extremes of the human brain, body, and behavior, joins in. David is also the author of The Expectation Effect on today's show David shares his thoughts on the correlation between visualization and strength, how placebo can enhance athletic performance, and how expectations can affect lifespan. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. David Robson, author of The Expectation Effect. Welcome to Combos Court. How are things?
1: Yeah, really good, thanks. You know, we've had a bit of a heat wave here in the UK, but it's um, quite stormy at the moment. So yeah, hopefully it'll cool down soon.
0: Heat wave here as well. I read the book, fantastic book. Actually bought one for my mom as well. Thank you so much for writing it. In the inside cover of the book, it says what you believe can make it so. And in this book, I feel like you provide a lot of scientific research that supports this
1: mm, yeah totally i mean it's based on you know hundreds of these peer-reviewed articles you know it's very carefully controlled research so even though i think the premise um that your expectations can shape outcomes in your life sounds quite like a kind of woo-woo kind of pseudoscience actually there's a very big evidence base behind it
0: tell me more about the study where people actually visualize working out and then they got stronger <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, this is just one example of like a result that sounds kind of ludicrous. But actually, when you look at both the evidence and then the scientific theory behind it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, So essentially, you know, just to kind of summarise that study, these participants were asked to um, spend uh, about a month just imagining that they were doing kind of weightlifting, like just lifting heavy objects. You know, if they weren't experienced like at the gym, just to imagine they were lifting up like a heavy table for a few minutes every day. Um, The control group weren't asked to kind of do any mental exercise um, in that manner. And they, you know, none of them were kind of asked to go to the gym to actually practice. But what the researchers found was that their strength when they did this visualization exercise regularly actually increased by about 10%. Whereas the control group, you know, actually got a bit weaker over this period, like, um, so, you know, really striking difference. Um, Now, how could that be? And the, the scientists don't think that the muscles themselves were getting bigger. But what was happening was that that visualization exercise was helping to refine the brain's predictions of what exercise it could achieve without injuring itself. And then that changed the kind of motor signals that it was sending to the muscles. So it was recruiting more muscle fibers essentially while they were doing their lifting. And that's what made them stronger. So, you know, it wasn't achieving the impossible of actually like boosting muscle mass, but it was still actually having an effect on their physical performance.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't tell anybody to stop lifting and start visualizing, but it's definitely something that could support what you're already doing and boost that. Like the compound effect is probably amazing.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. it. It's kind of good for, you know, people who are regularly working out, I think just to kind of give them a boost. Um, I think it could be good for, you know, people who are starting out like with weightlifting to actually just kind of, you know, give them a head start. Um, And it's also really good for, athletes who've been injured and you know, they might've broken a limb or whatever, and they have to take some time out. And what happens here is that the visualization can just stop them losing so much strength. So they can kind of maintain their performance that they might've lost otherwise during that time out.
0: To make this more practical, I remember there was three subjects and one you would visualize yourself lifting and then the other you would look from like maybe the outside as you're another person lifting and then one group didn't lift at all right
1: yeah that's right so actually the type of visualization did seem to matter and you saw the maximum effects when you were doing it from an internal point of view so you know it's like you're imagining it in the first person like you could actually see yourself kind of lifting it up from as if you were doing the exercise in the moment um what was less effective was doing it as if you were kind of a fly on the wall, so kind of looking outside your body and seeing yourself do those exercises, that's not so immediate, you know, that's almost like distanced as if you're just watching another right. person. So that's not really helping the brain to build these new, more efficient kind of movements and commands in the same way. How can we
0: use placebo to improve athletic performance, especially at the highest levels?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's again, lots of research showing that placebos do have a big effect on sports performance. Um, You know, another study very similar to the visualization study kind of gave these weightlifters um, a shot of decaf. um, Like, had they told the people it was like highly caffeinated, but it's actually decaffeinated, this shot of coffee. Um, And you know what happened was that actually those athletes kind of increased their strength enormously, and actually more than people had really been given the caffeinated drink but um we're told it was a placebo so you know the expectations there were having a huge effect independently of any chemical effect of the the, the coffee and we know that even some performance enhancing drugs seem to have a lot of their benefits from the expectation rather than the actual substance um, but you know i think like the big challenge here is that how can you benefit yeah like how can we use this knowledge without kind of deceiving ourselves you know it's, yeah um But actually, there's some really promising work on what's called open label placebos. And so these, you know, these are honest placebos. You actually give people um, the kind of, you know, like a sugary uh, pill or whatever in medicine or like a sugary drink in, in sports. And you just tell them actually, you know, you tell them what it is. This is kind of innocuous, but you also explain to them about the power of the placebo effect. And the knowledge of what the mind-body connection can do, that explanation actually, combined with the ritual of having this kind of supplement, that actually does seem to bring benefits in itself over and above their kind of typical performance. So that gives me kind of a lot of hope actually in just Um, the the idea that when you uh, kind of educate people about the expectation effect, that that knowledge in itself can be empowering. So just understanding about the power of your expectations can actually just help you to maybe quieten that negative talk you might have, just try to reframe what you're feeling and then kind of boost your performance in that way, just by shifting your mindset without any deception at all.
0: This takes me back to Space Jam, the original. Have you ever seen that movie?
1: Uh, No, I haven't.
0: Okay, well, MJ secret stuff, it was actually water. I mean, you know you're drinking water, but it makes you better.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we're um, uh, talking about here is just, you know, like some of the people in these open-label studies, you know, they said, well, I knew it was um, a placebo, but I was visualizing my muscles kind of performing at their best, and then that actually increased my endurance during this uh, cycling event. So, you know, it was really... Uh, It was just a kind of reminder, I guess, having that placebo was a reminder for them to actually change their mindset for the better. It's hard to say
0: what percentage is placebo or that you believe that this is helping you perform and what percentage is actually the substance that the athlete is taking if it's a real substance, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is really difficult um, for you to tell yourself. But in these kind of Uh, clinical trials that there are ways of separating it so much like um, you know when they were giving these people either real coffee or decaf coffee but also kind of changing their expectations at the same time of what they would be taking so if they had the real coffee but were told it's decaf you know and vice versa, actually, that does help you to separate it out. And, you know, for that particular study, it did seem like the expectations were having like as much, if not more effect than the caffeine itself. So, you know, very, there's really good evidence that actually our expectations, the add on is, you know, as powerful as, you know, a lot of the kind of performance enhancers that we might be taking.
0: Do you have any doubt the expectation effect can extend health span and lifespan?
1: Uh, So I would say this is the most exciting part of the whole um, study of the expectation effect. And I have to say, like, I did initially have quite a lot of scepticism towards Mm. this research. But, you know, the more I dug into it, the more I saw that actually it's like a very robust evidence base. Um, So there have just been so many longitudinal studies that um, have now shown that, you know, people's expectations of the ageing process, whether they assume it's going to be know decline and vulnerability or whether you know it's a time for growth and opportunity um that those mindsets that we have before we actually start to see any of the effects of aging on our health and well-being that those do become self-fulfilling prophecies you know decades later so the people who have the negative expectations of aging who see it as this kind of inevitable physical decline that involves disability and and death they are more likely to to have a shorter lifespan by about seven and a half years and and this kind of study has been replicated time and time again you know there's a new study that came out a couple of months ago showing this um the scientists have tried to control for all other kind of factors and we we do kind of note that obviously if you have positive mindset you're more likely to look after your health so you know you're more likely to do exercise you're more likely to eat healthily, and that's you know important that's an important mechanism for the self-fulfilling prophecy but then, independently of that, we know that there's a physiological mechanism that has all to do with your kind of stress response and essentially, if you assume that as you 're getting older that you're going to become uh, more vulnerable, then all of the challenges in life become more stressful, and that stress response raises cortisol, it increases inflammation, and then that has a knock on effect on your tissues it increases the kind of wear and tear and we can even see those changes then down to Inside the cells, things like the epigenetic markers of aging are accelerated if you have this negative view of aging. And so when I look up all of that evidence base combined, I find it as convincing as a lot of the evidence for you know epidemiological studies looking at diet, for example, or even looking at physical activity. Like it really does seem to be a big, robust evidence base now. So for me, I'm pretty convinced by that. And I think the main challenge now is really looking for good kind of psychological therapies that can help people to develop the more positive mindset of aging to improve the health as they get older.
0: Do you believe it could be the same with athletes? Like let's say an athlete gets on the wrong side of 30, but they believe that they're not declining. Do you think that could change things from inside their body from a cellular and biological level?
1: Yeah, I really do. Cause we know that expectations of our own physical fitness, you know, regardless of age actually have a big effect on, you know, physiological measures. Um, So, you know, people who've been told that they have like a beneficial gene variant or a kind of uh, like toxic gene variant um, that will inhibit their exercise and their ability to exercise. We know that, you know, implanting those beliefs in people actually changes their um, kind of measures of their fitness. So things like the gas exchange within their lungs, kind of how how their perception of their exertion, you know, how um, how hard they feel like they've been working out, their feelings of exhaustion, and also their endurance. So we know that those expectations do. And the way I see it is that you might reach a milestone age like thirty, and you might just flip from being like, yeah, you know, from having like the positive to the negative mindset about your physical abilities. I do think that that's going to have an effect for aging, that like um, you can have that kind of flip in mindset. And actually, I, what I think is we've seen recently is that maybe athletes are starting to question that mindset a bit more. And if you look at someone like Serena Williams, um, like I know she's now announced that she will be retiring soon, but I think what's really important there is that actually she has still been performing at a really high level for like, you know, probably a decade after a lot of athletes, you know, from 20 years ago, someone like Steffi Graf, who I can't remember when she retired, but she can't have been much older than 30 when she retired if that. And so, you know, I do think that people are starting to stretch their understanding of what they can achieve. And that has extended the kind of length of their careers, essentially.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about Chris Paul right now, because when he changed to a vegan diet, everyone was saying this is extending his career. But maybe part of it was that because he expected this to help him, that's what actually helped him even maybe more than the vegan diet.
1: Yeah, you know, that's what I think we have all of these kind of um, new kind of uh, lifestyle changes that we might make. That can, right. I think, you know, part of their benefit, again, you know, like the sports supplements, part of their benefit may be directly from the physiological changes. Um, but I think a lot of it also is just that it's giving you this kind of new mindset. It's helping you to feel that your ageing is within your control. And we know that those beliefs, you know, if you believe that you have the power to kind of control your fitness, that that can in itself be beneficial. Um and then we also know that the, um, that actually, you know, it's doing things like reducing the stress response, that feeling of empowerment that is then going to help you to perform at your best. So, yeah, I think with almost anything we do for our health, actually expectation is an important part, but that doesn't mean that the actual kind of lifestyle changes aren't equally important too. It's just, we want a more kind of holistic view of what's going on there.
0: So there were some incredible studies on elderly people in your book, Let's say if an elderly person believes that it's inevitable for them to get dementia because a lot of their family members have had it as well. How much does that increase their chances in actually getting dementia?
1: Mm. So again, you know, like we do know that if you have a high genetic risk, um, you are in general, on average, more likely to develop dementia than people who don't have the genetic risk. You know, we know a lot now about those gene variants and kind of what they're doing to things like the body's metabolism and how that can relate to the buildup of the, you know, amyloid plaques in the brain and the I kind of tau proteins, you know, all of these things. So no doubt that genetic risk does play a role. But actually what you see is that if people have those positive views of ageing, then the impact of the genetic risk is like much less, essentially. So if you have the positive um, views of ageing, it actually cuts your risk of developing dementia in half. And that is equally true for whether you have the high genetic risk or not. So it is powerful. And yeah, I think if you've seen all the people around you developing dementia, then that could, you know, exacerbate the genetic risk. Well, especially,
0: especially if it's family, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. 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 So definitely, that's going to be that that's going to make it much harder for you to develop the more positive view of aging.
0: And how extensive is the scientific research on that?
1: So that comes from one paper, but, you know, well, a couple of papers, actually. So there was one paper, that was um, the uh, kind of uh, longitudinal study that looked at this genetic risk in particular, and the effects of mindset. And then there was a second paper that had just looked at the effects of mindset, and then had also not just looked at the diagnosis of dementia, but had also measured the amount of the amyloid plaques within the brain. So, you know, how bad physiologically that was like, how much damage their brain was sustaining and what you found was that there was this correlation so the people with the more negative mindsets of aging were more likely to have higher volumes of that um, of those amyloid plaques and more neurodegeneration and the people with the positive views of uh, aging you know showed less damage essentially
0: fascinating and this goes for everything not only dementia other kinds of maybe illnesses or diseases as well right
1: It does, you know, things like cardiovascular disease. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would say those are the main two, actually. Um, And then just like general kind of illness. But I think, but what I think here is that we know that both um, cardiovascular disease and uh, dementia, you know, they are actually, um, one of the big mechanisms for both of those is bodily inflammation. And we know that that can be linked to stress, which is why I find this the mechanism here is so plausible because your mindset is going to affect how stressed you feel about, you know, everyday life that's going to affect inflammation. And then that's going to cause the t- tissue damage, uh, damage, whether that's in your brain or in your cardiovascular system.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time, David, before you get out of here, tell me more about your first book. Cause I didn't get to read that one yet.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. So that's the intelligence trap. And okay. that, um, kind of looks at why smart people make stupid decisions um <laughs> so you know it sounds kind of funny but actually you know i think it's really quite i still think it's really important for our understanding of lots of like uh the uh, you know the kind of politics that we see around us you know like um you know 97% of climate scientists people who are actually studying the climate tell us that the um you know human activities are causing global warming and then that's then going to have knock-on effects on things like extreme weather events and you know rising sea levels Um, but what you have is a lot of good very intelligent very educated people who are denying the expert consensus on that and often not in a very logical way and so that to me is an example of the intelligence trap it's where actually we have these flaws in our reasoning that even if we are super intelligent you know have high IQs even if we have, like, good degrees, um, we still manage to find ways to kind of um, read the evidence how we want to read it rather than, um, you know, trying to look at it in a more open-minded kind of way.
0: It's also really important, no matter how high your IQ is, is how to read people, right? Like, emotional IQ. Yeah, Yeah. there's
1: that, you know, huge amount of work on what's called practical intelligence. And by that, I don't mean, I don't just mean, you know, like, whether you're good at, you know, like... um, you know, mechanical stuff or whatever, but actually practical intelligence is also just like, you know, you've got a goal and you might have the analytical intelligence to achieve that goal, but can you actually do all of the things that you need to get from A to B? Things like prioritising tasks, um, you know, getting people to work with you rather than against you, like you said, like interpersonal skills, you know, um, planning, you know, all of these things. Um, And what we find is that actually the analytical intelligence, so, you know, IQ, um, essentially IQ, that doesn't correlate very well with this practical intelligence. And, you know, ideally you'd have like high levels of both, but actually, you know, the high practical intelligence in terms of like professional success can be, you know, can make up for maybe not being like genius level IQ when it comes to actually, you know, developing like a new invention, being successful as an entrepreneur, all of that kind of thing.
0: David, great stuff. Where can we find your book? Where's the best place
1: to purchase it? Okay I hate to say Amazon um but you know amazon.com will definitely they're very reliable stock it. <laughs> yeah exactly so but actually you know Barnes and Noble like essentially like all you know all book chains should be stocking it and also independent bookshops. so yeah I'd really just you know go to your normal supplier and just uh, see if they're stocking it and if not you know try another one but you can find me at david uh, davidrogson.me and I've got links to like all of these um bookshops that do stock it so yeah you can check me out
0: there thank you so much for writing the book i really enjoyed it you're always welcome back on the show david and talk soon
1: thank you yeah it's been a pleasure
0: anytime thank you to everyone who listens to the show across the globe thank you to david for joining in we appreciate you don't forget to rate review and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune into Combo's Court. If you would like to support this podcast, check out the Combo's Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on Instagram at 12combo. Be on the lookout for episode 395. Combo out.